Let's all stand together and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blessings and goodness this morning. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, your power, your spirit, your glory, your grace. We ask you to bless each and every one of us here today. Bless us with the word of God. We praise your wonderful name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor next to you. Greet him in Jesus' name. I know you're probably already shaking hands, but do it again. Amen. Whoa. And we're glad to be back with you here this morning. And uh, before Easter and Palm Sunday and so forth, those Sundays that we missed, we were talking to you about the Lord's first coming. Jesus came the first time and how that uh, in his coming, he was the Messiah promised from days of old in the Bible. The Old Testament is filled with the promises of the coming of the Messiah. It started way back, uh, even as far back as Genesis, and of course it's all the way through the, the uh, law and prophets and so forth, and uh, many, many scriptures that refer to it. Jesus came fulfilling, fulfilling those verses and saying that he was here, you know, to help them, to bless them, to save Israel to lift them up and so forth. The problem happened whenever the Jews in that day, in that generation, rejected Jesus as their Messiah. They wanted their Messiah to be a person who would overthrow the Roman Empire and make Israel to be a great nation like it was in the days of David and Solomon. And that's what they wanted from their Messiah. If you read the scriptures very well in the Old Testament, that was not the promise. It was that he would come as a savior and not just to save them from the Roman Empire, but to save them from their sins. And Jesus, of course, when he came, he says, his name should be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It was from their sins. And they, to themselves, they had no sin as far as they were concerned. They said, we have Abraham to our father. We don't have any sins. What are you talking about? We live by the law. And so they did not see themselves as sinners, even though many of them were very uh, evil in heart, had it in their heart, and they were hypocritical and had many faults and failures. And Jesus would point those out, and it would, all it would do would infuriate them. You know the story. There were segments of Jewish leaders that had different views, and they tried to influence Israel in different directions. There were Sadducees, Pharisees. There were the scribes who seemed to have known the word of God, but they followed more the traditions of the elders than they did the actual scriptures themselves. And uh, there were those who were just uh, spiritual leaders. There was the priesthood that was really appointed by uh, the Caesars of Rome. They were no longer the followers of Aaron as God originally prescribed it, but they had become men who had been appointed there by leaders of the Roman Empire and so forth, such as Herod the Great, and he was the king. And then he would appoint priests that was pleasing to his, 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 his uh, desires. So all of these things developed. So when Jesus came, he came doing everything the Messiah was, was promised in the word that he would do, but it was rejected by that generation. So that was the first time. We talked about that for two or three weeks uh, prior to the holidays and so forth. 
Uh, today, I want to pick up not on so much on Jesus uh, coming the first time, but his return. And I want to talk to you because before Jesus left, he promised he'd return. Now, that's where we come in. And it's going to, it's going to involve how we think, how we feel, where we are, what we know, what we don't know, and so forth. So when, before Jesus left, he said that he would be coming back. So I want to give you scripture for that because the coming of the Lord is very much in question by not the world for sure and by even some denominational churches. They question, well, is the Lord really coming back? Well, he's been saying it, it's been there a long, long time. Will it really happen? And so they go on with a form of worship and they call themselves Christians and so forth. But they really, in their heart, are not looking for the coming of the Lord. They just sort of push that on the back burner and really don't think it'll ever happen and so forth. And so they have strange views about it. Different ones have different views. So I want you to turn in your Bible, if you would, with me to John 14, 2 and 3. And I want to start by stating here what Jesus himself said about his coming back. While he was still on this earth and he knew that his time uh, on the earth uh, was, was limited and was coming to an end, he began to tell his disciples what would happen. And uh, there were several places. In fact, your pastor referred to it, I think, last week. There were several places that Jesus told them that he would be crucified and that he'd rise the third day. It seemed like it sort of went over their head or they didn't quite believe it. In one place, Peter even rebuked Jesus for even saying such a thing. And the Lord, you know, said, get behind me, Satan, and so forth. And you know the story there. I won't go into detail. But the fact that Jesus did tell them that he was going to go away and he would come again. This is the 14th chapter of St. John, verse 2. I'm going to read 2 and 3. This is a very interesting chapter, incidentally, because in this chapter, Jesus identifies himself without question to be God Almighty of the Old Testament. That is the Father, as he referred to, the Spirit. Uh, God is not three persons in the Godhead. He is manifestations and more than three manifestations. He made the manifestation means makes himself known. He was, he was, the, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But God, praise the Lord, also manifested himself as man. And as the man, because the flesh was real flesh and it was of man, that is Mary, uh, then therefore he was the son of man. He was the son of God. So Jesus was both the son of man in that he was the, the son of Mary. He was also the son of God in that Mary was conceived of the Holy Ghost or of the Spirit of God. I won't go into detail on the Godhead there. Most of you are aware of it and familiar with it and so forth. But the point that I'm simply bringing out to you here is that Jesus Christ in this 14th chapter really lets them know further on, and I won't get into that end of it, that he was the God Almighty of the Old Testament. Now, let me read the second and third verses because this deals with our subject this morning. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If you've got your pen and your Bible, underline the word place. Folks, there is a place that the Lord has prepared for us. Praise the Lord. There is a place. Don't ever lose that hope. Don't ever doubt that place. Wherever it is, God has a place for us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, 
that where I am, there ye may be also. So wherever this place is that God has prepared, praise the Lord, he went away, or he's going to go away, and he told them that. Another scripture that he mentions about his going away is in Matthew. I'm reading uh, just a few verses here to let us know that these are not uh, vague or rare scriptures in the Bible, but very abundant, really. This is Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. He's talking about his coming back again. And so Jesus talked about it, not only those verses, two verses there, just, just a verse or so, but he spoke about them in parables, several par parables, where he says that a goodman went off into a far country and he left all of his, his uh, goods in the hands of servants and said, when I come back, you know, I want you to give an account of the goods that I gave you. Many of you know that as several, uh, some in Matthew, some in John, <clears throat> some in Mark, where he gives these examples of his going away and coming back. But my point that I'm bringing out to you here is that when Jesus, before he left, he said, I'm going to come back. I'm coming back again. So this was a promise that he made to the church and that he made to his disciples before he left. Another verse of scripture that we're all familiar with was the one that uh, this found in the book of Acts chapter 1. And this is uh, just before he ascended into heaven. This was after his resurrection. <clears throat> and he was on this earth for 40 days after the resurrection. And he appeared here and there now and then to his disciples. One time he appeared 500 brethren at one time up in Galilee. The Bible speaks about that. Paul talks about it as well. And uh, so that there was no doubt in that early church, Jesus rose from the dead. And so he appeared to different ones. He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to, uh, to the women that came to the sepulcher. And this, of course, is what we all studied around Easter time about the Lord, you know, resurrecting and them seeing him and seeing so forth. Then him appearing or showing up in a room. Thomas said, I know you guys have seen him, but I haven't seen him, and I, don't, I won't see him until I can really see him and put my hand. And Jesus appeared right there in the room where they were. So he had his resurrected body. He could come, he could appear, he could leave, so forth, and they could touch him. <clears throat> and uh, don't ask me how that's possible, but that's God Almighty's great divine plan and the way he does all things. Praise God. His ways are beyond our ways. His ways are higher than our ways as the heavens above the earth, as the Bible says. And so the Bible says here in Acts, I'm looking at Acts now, chapter 1, excuse me, chapter <coughs> 1, verse 9. And uh, this is after Jesus had spoken unto them, and he was on the Mount of Olives and had said, Go back in Jerusalem and tarry and wait until you be endued with the power from on high. The Holy Ghost will come upon you. Now, this is what happened in verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, they just kept looking. They saw him go up. He went up. He went up on the Mount of Olives. He went up. He went up. He just kept going. And uh, they kept looking and they could any of you ever watched a space launch at nighttime? You ever see a space launch? Any of you ever see one at night? Several of you did. That's an interesting thing because it's, 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 it's fire. You can see it going up, you know, just a little fire. 
is big. It lights up all of Bavard County, you know. And then, it, it, then finally that subsides, and then you see this big rocket going up, and the light begins to diminish. And that's an amazing sight to see at night. And then it keeps going, it keeps going. And everybody, everybody is watching that little light, and it gets, keeps going, it keeps going. And then you start blinking your eyes, and you say, which one is the rocket, and which one is a star up there that I'm looking at, you know? I mean, it just gets that, well, I'm thinking of these men were watching Jesus go up, and they kept going, and they said, man, am I seeing him or am I not seeing him? And while they look steadfastly, look at verse 10. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. You got your Bible there, just write angels right there. All of a sudden, two men were standing by them in white apparel. You ever seen anybody standing next to you in white apparel? He just shows up. He may be an angel, so don't shoo him away. All right, verse 11. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now, this is describing uh, Jesus going away, and it's a promise that as you see him go away, he's going to come back again also. Amen. And so these are promises that the Bible gives us about the Lord's going and about his coming back and so forth. Now, the early church, uh, after Jesus was away and the Holy Ghost was given and they began to preach the gospel and go out and convert and save people and everything, they looked for Jesus to come right away. You know why? Because the Lord never gave them a time of his return. And there's never been a time of his return that's ever been spoken. The Bible says, no man knows the day nor the hour. I'll talk to you in a few minutes about that as well. But the early church believed that Jesus could come anytime. There was nothing. In other words, that was the next major spiritual event to happen, was the coming back of Jesus for his church. So in the epistles, they say, you know, walk with God, serve the Lord, be faithful to the Lord. Uh, he could come anytime. He's, he's, he, he could come tomorrow. You know, there's no, nothing that will keep him from coming. So these are all scriptures that were promised. Let me show you a few of them to show you what I'm talking about. Look in Romans, for instance, 13, 11. <clears throat> This is Paul talking here, speaking to the Roman church. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed or when we first believed. Now is our salvation nearer. It's closer now than when we believe. And we're talking about Paul writing to the Romans, probably in the Romans here, probably uh, maybe 30 years after Jesus has been crucified and ascended into heaven. And uh, so here it is, Paul saying, you know, it's getting close to the coming of the Lord. So they didn't know when it would be. And so to them, the next major thing, and it was like, be ready. You just never know when he's going to come back again. Another verse of scripture that I'll read you here found in James chapter 5 and verse 7. Uh, James 5 and 7 and 8. James says, be patient. Therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. In other words, just be patient and wait for it. And hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh, or the coming of the Lord 
is near or is drawing near. So even James said, the Lord is coming back soon. So be faithful and walk with God. And so I'm pointing out to you here that the reason that they felt this way and said these things is because no man knew the day the hour. We'll be talking about that in a few moments. Let me read one other verse of scripture. This is in first Peter. And there's a few others that can pretty well say the same thing. I won't go any further than this, but first Peter chapter uh, four and verse seven. <coughs> Thank you. Verse seven, but the end of all things is at hand. This is what Peter says at the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch un, uh, unto prayer. Verse 8, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And what he is saying here in these words of the end of all things is at hand, it's time for the Lord to come back. So what I'm pointing out to you here is very simply is that these men in the early church, they believed that the Lord was coming soon. Praise God, he was coming back. Now, Having established the fact that he would come back, let me go a little bit step further. I mean, how does that involve us? What, what will happen to us? Where does that put us and everything? And so there's, there's more scripture involved in how we are involved. And that has to do with the resurrection. Now, last uh, Sunday, it was Easter Sunday, and it's, it's celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mentioned to you a while ago, everyone doesn't believe in the resurrection. Folks, always hold to the resurrection it's a it's a literal physical impossibility with man but with god nothing is impossible praise the lord and because men cannot conceive the possibility of it they do not believe it and the bible says we are body soul and spirit and when we die our bodies are buried our soul and spirit goes back to god who gave it Praise the Lord. And it's put in a place called paradise. I won't go into scripture with all that at this time. Put in a place called paradise or called the third heaven. But it is the place where the spirit and the soul abide. If they are, if it's a good spirit, good soul, I mean, in favor with God. So the spirit and the soul goes back to God. If they are evil, their soul and spirit goes to hell. The body goes into the grave but the soul spirit goes back, it goes to the, it goes to hell. And it's in the Bible as well. And there's multiple scriptures on that. So the spirit of the soul goes back to God to give it. But when the resurrection happens, the soul and the spirit is reunited with the body and the body is resurrected. It's resurrected. Now, some people believe that the soul and the spirit is saved and we've got eternal life, soul and spirit, but the body was always given back to the ground. But the Bible, that's not the resurrection because the body is the only thing that dies. Whenever we die, the soul and the spirit doesn't die. So there is the life of the soul and the spirit that goes back to God who gave it. And then there is the body that is put in the ground. But the resurrection, praise the Lord, is whenever the body is reunited with that when the Lord comes and that time is picked and chosen by the Lord and he does it. It, it comes back together with the body and there's the resurrection of the body. But the Bible says not in the body that it was formed in. Now, this is where the Pharisees, the Sadducees had different beliefs. Pharisees believed in the literal resurrection of the body. They really believed in that. But the Sadducees did not believe in that at all. They didn't believe in that. 
And this is where one time Paul was, uh, was taken by a bunch of them and they was sort of whipping them around, slapping them around and so forth. And uh, Paul said something to them and he says, I'm, I'm here because I believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees would say, what's wrong with that? The Sadducees said, what? There's no resurrection. And the Pharisees said, yes, there is. And so they got into a big fight and Paul, he, he's, he went on out and left the whole crowd with it. So he knew how they thought. He knew what, what was up. And he even talks about the resurrection. Now, if you will, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for a moment. And I'm not going to dwell on this part of it here very much. Only to say that Paul talks about, in this 15th chapter, about this uh, resurrection of the body. And, uh, and he says, uh, and he goes on to talk about how that Jesus' resurrection of his body his body is proof that our bodies will also be resurrected. Praise the Lord. And he goes in, in this resurrection. Now he said, verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? The dead is the body. Everybody with me on that page? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Verse 14, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also in vain. In other words, there is nothing if there is no resurrection. And then it goes on to say in verse 20, now, but now is Christ risen from the dead and be, become the first fruits of them that slept. And then it goes on to say here down in verse, uh, in verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ. Now, the answer and the key is being in Christ baptized into his name, baptized in Christ, and Christ's spirit being in us. And so even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Again, the body is the only thing that dies, so the body is what he's talking about. Verse 23, but every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming, so forth. And I won't get into any further of that, except further on it talks about how that we are caught away and how that this coming back of the Lord happens with us so i'm just pointing out to you here that there is a literal resurrection jesus literally rose from the dead i uh, I, I usually don't say anything about any other religion or denomination in the pulpit i never mention it but i will say this because i think most of you are aware of it but the jehovah witness movement does not believe in the literal resurrection of jesus christ and i've debated i think had about three two at least two debates with them Others are just arguments, I guess, but I've had some debates with them. And, and I asked them this question. I said, what happened to the body of Jesus? They said, we don't know. We don't know. He didn't rise from the dead. No. What happened to him? We don't know. I said, I know. <laughs> Ask me. I can tell you. It's the Bible's full of it. It's filled in the Bible what happened. He rose again. He was stood. He appeared before them. He was there. I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture. And how they can say that, and of course, that's all because of old uh, church leaders that were before them, you know, had all kinds of stories and about the resurrection and Jesus is coming and he didn't come. He's supposed to come in 18, I think 1850 to Russell and he didn't come then. And, and then he was supposed to come in uh, 1925, 14 it was, he did come then, then said going to come in 1925, Judge Rutherford. I won't go into all that stuff, but anyhow, they were all predicting he was going to come, and he didn't come. And that's because they were predicting he was going to come 
on a certain year, and I'll talk to you more about that in a few moments, folks. Nobody knows the day nor the hour of the coming of the Lord. Right. Praise God. And when men start predicting that, they get into a lot of big trouble with the Lord. And then the next thing you know, they're having to change their doctrine all around so it fits their predictions more than it fits the, the Bible. Well, I won't go any further with that, only to say that there was the resurrection of the body of Christ. And because that was the resurrection of the body of Christ, we have the hope of the same thing. So uh, <clears throat> the scriptures here says <clears throat> that the Bible here gives us how, the, the, uh, how that affects us. Now, you were there in 1 Corinthians. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 15 there. Uh, if you look down in 1551, this sort of gives you an illustration here about how, how the uh, coming of the Lord will affect us. How it will affect us. We know that there's going to be the resurrection of the body. <coughs> there are some beliefs also that there's what they call soul sleeping. And it means it believes that when we die, the, the soul and the body sleep in the body. The body is in the grave and the soul and the spirit are, is asleep in the body. That's called soul sleeping. And that it knows anything. But according to other scriptures that I know of, it's in, in Ephesians and in uh, Philippians and so in Galatians, that it speaks about there being a place of paradise, so forth. So I won't get into that part. I do not believe that. The, I do not believe in the doctrine of soul sleeping. I don't believe in that. I believe that that, the, that is unite, reunited with the body and then the body comes forth. The soul sleepers believe that the resurrection, the body comes forth and the soul and the body just sleep until that period of time. I don't know. I've had too many, I've seen too many experiences where people were dying, Christians, and they'd open their eyes and say, I see Jesus. You know, I see the Lord. I see the Lord coming for me. Old brother Christoph came by one time. He almost died in the hospital. You didn't know him. He was a Bulgarian. He talked with a heavy accent. And he's single, single guy, stayed single all of his life, never married. Came from Bulgaria. And uh, he and old brother Thomas in this church were great friends. And they, also, they both spoke the same language. And he loved to come here. And he was a great priest, a little short guy. And was fiery as he could be. I mean, if there's ever a prophet, he was one. And uh, brother Christoph got sick in Pensacola, was dying. They put him in the hospital. And he had tubes all running in him, and he was laying there. He, was, he probably is, is in about 85 years old. He's about to die. <clears throat> in the middle of the night, he saw the Lord coming to him, walking to him. In the beautiful meadows, things. Oh, Jesus, he said. I, he just, he just, in, his, in his seeing the Lord, he had put his hands out. And he said, oh, Lord, and he was just ready to go meet the Lord. And then the Lord, he said, put his hands up and said, not yet, not yet. And then he started going back away from it. And he said, no, Lord, don't, don't leave, don't leave, come. I want to go with you, I want to go with you. And the Lord just kept going further and further back. And then he woke up in the hospital. And he had all these tubes in him, in his nose and his body. He started pulling all at 2 o'clock in the morning, pulling them all out, everything Got up, put his pants on, his clothes. They were sitting over there in a chair, I guess. Something. Got up, got his things together, and walked out of the hospital. They said, no, 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 you can't walk out. you got to go back to your bed. He says, no, no, no. They said, no, no, you, you may die. He said, I'm not going to die. I already know I'm not going to die. The Lord's already said, not yet. 
Those, but the Lord appeared to him. You know, there's been many stories like that and everything. And Brother Christoph, and he, after that, he came here and he told us the story, you know, about it. And he went traveled around and preached around probably another seven years. And then I heard he was back in the hospital and he had passed away. And I said, that time the Lord did not say, not yet, not yet. But he said, come on, George Christoph, it's time for you to go with me. Do you understand what I'm saying so that we, we go with the Lord? My sister, when she passed away, she was in a coma. She was like, she could not speak. She could not talk. Uh, she was in a coma in the hospital. My sister was sitting by the bed next to her. And in the middle of the night, middle of the night, she opened her eyes and put her hands up and said, I see God. I, and three times said, I see God. I see, and so happy. And then she closed her eyes and dropped her hand and went back into the coma. And the next day she passed away. I'm just trying to say here, there's too many, too many experiences like that where people have seen the Lord and they're going to the Lord. You understand what I'm saying here? So I don't believe in soul sleeping. I don't believe in that, you know. That, that is it. Now let me move on here. I'm, I've been meddling a little bit. I'll get back into the scriptures. Everybody's still with me. Praise God. Thank God for the truth and for the word of God and for his wonderful salvation. This is how the coming of the Lord will happen to we who are his people. What was called the resurrection. Uh, <clears throat> look at verse. Let me read this. Uh, Let me read verse 42 and verse 44 here. This is 15 of 1 Corinthians. Incidentally, 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. Anytime you want to read it, it's good reading. 42, verse 42, 15, 42 of 1 Corinthians. So also is the res resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Verse 44, it is sown, verse 44, it's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. Uh, in verse 48, as is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they that is heavenly. For as we have borne the image, verse 49, the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, verse 50, now this I say, brother, that flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 51, now this is how the, the coming of the Lord will affect us who are walking with God and serving the Lord. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, we shall not all die. <clears throat> this is speaking about us when, when we pass away. But we shall all be changed. Everybody's going to be changed, but everybody's not going to die when Jesus comes, before the Lord comes. I would say here, if the Lord comes back not too many years from now, many of you will see the Lord. You will be here when the rapture takes place. You know, some of us older ones, I guess we, we may, we may not. The Lord could come tomorrow. There's nothing that's hindering him from coming. Excuse me. Behold, I show you, mister, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. <clears throat> the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise, uh, shall be raised incorruptible, and we, speaking about the we who are alive, shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And in verse 55, O death, 
Where is thy sting, O grave? Where is thy victory? Now, Paul is writing this in 1 Corinthians, and he also refers to it very strongly in uh, 1 Thessalonians. And I'll just read a couple of verses here. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. <clears throat> and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, this is called the rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible at all. The word rapture is a French word that's been passed along to us that means caught up. And the phrase or the word caught up is in the scriptures here. We'll be caught up. And so what we're saying here is that this is uh, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them or raptured together with them. <clears throat> so what I am bringing out to you here today is that this is how the Lord's coming back for his church will be. It will be we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Praise the Lord. He's coming back again after that, though. He's coming back again after that. And that's why this is called Armageddon. When he comes back, uh, and that's the over in prophecy, and I'm not going to get into that part of it, but I only want to talk to you here about him coming back for his church. Now, to be ready for the rapture and to be ready to go when Jesus comes back for the church, we've got to repent of our sins. That's what Peter told him on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, second chapter. Repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And every place in the Bible where they were filled with the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, they were, they spoke in other tongues. Apparently that's the evidence. I mean, you can't go wrong there. And, you know, and people sort of got away from that for a while. And finally people started saying, you know what? It's in the Bible. There were people that said, no, no, that was only for that period of time. It wasn't for us today. And people started praying and asking God, God, if the Holy Ghost is for us today in that fashion, pour it out to us. And man, God began to pour out the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This all happened around 1900. People started getting the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. And, and, and the revival broke out and it, it just turned the world upside down. Missionaries were saved and they went, I mean, people were saved and went into the missionary field and preached all over the world. And they saw people uh, over there. I've, I've, I've seen Haitians. I've seen, I saw a Haitian woman received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that knew no English, and she was talking in English. I saw that myself with my own eyes. Her speaking in, in, in English, I thought she was worshiping God. And another one of our sisters that knew, knew this lady said, Brother Myers, Brother Myers, she's talking in tongues. I said, no, she's speaking in English. No, no, she doesn't know English. She doesn't know the English. She's Haitian. I'm Haitian. I know she doesn't know English. And she's worshiping in, in, in pure English. And when she got all through, she started talking Haitian again. And I talked to her for a few minutes in English. She didn't know anything about what I was saying. I'm telling you, it's amazing what God can do. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, I could talk to you for the rest of the, our time here on, <clears throat> on speaking other tongues and how that it is a language and the Lord's chosen. And it's just like it was in the early church in the Bible. Praise the Lord. So don't sell yourself short. If it's for us, let's have it because you don't want to miss the rapture. You don't want to miss the rapture. Praise the Lord. Amen. So the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. The Lord's coming near. It's time for it. Hosea 6, 2. 
Hosea 6.2. It says that Israel would be blinded. You put that verse on the screen for us, Hosea 6.2. For a minute, let me refer to it here. Uh, after two days will he revive us in the third. This is speaking of Israel now. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Now, the Bible says in Peter and also in Psalms, there's two verses there, a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. After two days, Israel was, this, Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD and Israel as a nation was scattered and dispersed throughout all the world. That's why there's Jews all over the world today in every country just about all over. There's Jewish people there because they were scattered 2,000 years ago. The Lord's going to revive them one day. But he said, after two days, will he revive us? Two days, not 24-hour days. No, no, they were dispensational days. A day with the Lord is 1,000 years. Without, and so two of those 1,000 years have passed. You know what? We're in, we're in 20. So the, 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 I don't know, the first 1,000 years, the second 1,000, now we're in the third so I'm just trying to say here, it's time for the Lord to come back. But when he revives Israel, he's going to turn back to Israel. He's going to be through with the Gentiles. Our time of the Gentiles will be up, praise the Lord. This is all the 11th chapter of Romans I'm talking about. And the time of the Gentiles will be up. And so our time to have been saved, it will be over with. I'm just telling you here today, folks, get ready to meet the Lord. <clears throat> because when the time of the Gentiles is over with, the Lord's coming back for his church. Now, Jews can be saved today. You know, the early church, the, the whole early church in Jerusalem was all Jews. So anybody can be saved. But in the, after that period of time is over with, that time of the Gentiles, then it will just be only Israel the Lord will deal with, and he will bring them back into his grace and his favor and his mercies and so forth. I won't go any further than that. That's an entire, entirely different Bible study itself. But I just want to read this in 1 Corinthians here about the coming of the Lord for 16. 1 Corinthians 4, 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the Lord is coming back for his people. He's coming back for his church, and that we have to be aware of it. Now, one other thing I want to point out to you here is that the Lord said that we have to be careful that uh, we don't follow after soothsayers and uh, false prophets. I'm going to give you some scriptures found over here in, in Matthew chapter 24. This is where Jesus was talking about his coming. I'm looking here at Matthew 24. I'm going to read five verses to you here, right here in one chapter. This is Matthew, and this is 24, 36, 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Another verse of Scripture, verse 42, watch therefore. This is just a few verses down. <clears throat> watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Look at verse 44, two verses later. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Look at verse 50. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day, and he's referring to the little parable that he just gave here. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. So what we are saying, what Jesus was telling us here, is that nobody knows the day nor the hour would just be ready to go. 
What does that mean, Brother Myers? That means live for God, walk with God, keep the Word of God. This is what teaching and preaching and the pulpit is all about. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And how can we hear lest I be a preacher? The Bible says, how can he preach lest he be sent? Sent of God, of course. So we have to have faith, and the faith comes by the Word of God. And when we have the Word of God that's taught to us and preached to us, our faith builds. I have come to church sometimes very discouraged, especially when I was a young man, you know, and I was early in my early Christian life. I'd come to church sometimes very discouraged. And the preacher would preach the Word, and boy, before that service was over, I had my hands in the air, and I was thanking the Lord and worshiping God and thanking Him because I knew everything was going to be okay. I have come down to the altar and stood there with problems up to here. I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And in that worship service, the Spirit of God would let me know everything was going to be all right. Praise the Lord. That's what God does for us. Praise the Lord. And that's why that we need to hear the Word of God. <clears throat> the Word of God will strengthen us. That's why we need to be in church so we can hear the Word of God that our faith keeps up. If you miss a lot of church, if you miss a lot of church, next thing you know, that old world out there starts, folks, let me say something. There's nothing on television. I'm about ready to talk to some about television. I'm serious. Television is a bunch of junk. I was scanning the TV the other day just trying to see, if, is there a decent story? And so much violence, violence, violence. I've never seen so much violence. And then I look over in Hebrews and it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Lord. And then I read about the days of Noah, they were filled with violence. It is a generation. Filled with violence before the flood happened. The same thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. Violence in that city of Sodom and Gomorrah, the city of Sodom where they, they lived. <clears throat> there were five cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, was two of them. They were given over to homosexuality, incidentally. They were totally given over to that. But it had so much violence. And so forth. I'm just trying to say here, that's the characteristic of those cities that was as, as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. So shall it be in the day of the coming of the uh, you know, Son of Man as Lot's day was. And violence was part of it. <clears throat> and I look on TV and I thought, my Lord, everything is violent. It used to be all the men, you know, the women were all talk, talk. Now they got women violent. Violent. I mean, mean, mean as a devil. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to say here, it's just not there. And I said, you know, forget all that stuff. I'll need to, I'll, I'll read some magazine or something, you know. Read one of my World War II magazines. <laughs> That's really filled with violence. <laughs> I'm just joking here. But let me just say this to us all here today, folks. Nobody knows the day nor the hour of the coming Son of Man. Now, I want to just point this out to you here. And... Uh, Somewhere back in the mid-80s, they began to say the Lord was coming in 1986. I heard it, I heard it, I heard it. I had two good friends that declared he was going to come by 1986 or before. He didn't come in 1986. Then somebody put out a book, uh, 88 Reasons the Lord Would Come in 1988. He didn't come in 1988, and the author published a new book and said, I was off by one year, it's 89. It'd be coming in 1989. He didn't come in 1989. Then the year 2000 began to approach. Everybody's talking about how the year 2000, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. The Lord was coming back 
Armageddon is going to happen. The world is going to turn upside down. The rivers are going to flow backwards. Everything was going to go crazy in 2000. And nothing happened. It just went on. It was 2001, 9-11, that really hit, you know, New York was hit by those planes, you know, hit the trade towers and brought it down. That, that was not just a natural thing. That was a terrorist action, you know, and so forth. But what I am pointing out to you here, that all this claimed, and then 2012, that was another one, everything. And they said the Mayan calendar. You know, I, I went, I was on a cruise ship down in Mexico, and I bought a Mayan calendar, incidentally. I got the calendar and all this stuff with it, and, and, and it's just not there. I told them, I said, you know, they say there's something about, I told them down there, these guys that can speak English. I said about the Mayan calendar, it says something about the world, world's going to end in 2012, 2012. Ah, uh, they said, we hear about all that stuff. These Americans coming down here looking for Mayan calendars. They said, there's nothing to all that. That's, this is what the, the people that were selling it to us, Mexicans who were speaking, could speak English, they were telling us that. <clears throat> so I'm just trying to sell you here. They got all kinds of things. You know, they had that Sybil that is in the Roman Empire way back there 2,000 years ago. She's supposed to prophesy in the world. She said there was going to be nine segments of 800 years of peace, and they're going to tally up to 7,200 years. All that's come and gone. I heard her dates that she predicted. That, folks, it goes on and on. They got Mother Shipton. They got Nostradamus, 1503, came along prophesying this and that and everything. The Illuminati, the 18th century uh, German secret society that traveled around and whipped themselves and beat themselves and supposedly had all kind of knowledge about God. All of that proved to be nothing. And then the, once in a while, you'll have a preacher that thinks he's got, got the answer. He knows when the Lord's going to come. Nobody knows the day nor the hour of the coming of the Son of Man. The Bible just says, be ready, be prepared, be ready to go. How many of you are ready to go to meet the Lord in the air? If you're not, get ready. And if you're not sure, make sure you are. Because Jesus could come any time now. He could come tonight. He can come tomorrow, and when he comes, it'll be morning at one place in the world. It'll be evening in another place. It'll be night in another place. Or two will be in the bed. Two will be in the field working. It'll be broad daylight somewhere else. It's going to, he's going to circle the world. He's going to, dead shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? What a wonderful hope we have. And while we're still here, we're the happiest people on the earth. Let's stand together and give God the praise. Praise God.